Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now, right here on Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, today's guests, we have um, two two women that, that have created a new web series, which is called You Only Die Once, um, Yodo for short. Um, and it's um, a vampire uh, sort of comedy drama, uh, which um, basically tips its hat to Buffy and a lot of modern comedy dramas that are on, on TV right now, but it also lends its inspiration from Hammer films of the past. Um, the, the two ladies that I'll be speaking to um, in, in a few minutes are Amanda B. Goodman and Tegan Curtis. You'll be talking about uh, how, how they came to create the show and, and what have you. I know her inside and out. In 1922, she tortured an entire men's choir and made them meet each other before catching a midnight showing of Nosferatu. Which is funny, because it's it's a vampire movie. Okay, I'd like to uh, introduce um, our guest this week to to, to the show. Uh, We have uh, Tegan Curtis and Amanda B. Goodman. They are the uh, co-creators of an exciting new web series. It's um, kind of um, a vampire horror comedy um, called Yodo, um, which is um, an abbreviation for You Only Die Once. Hi, guys. How do you Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Oh, that's great. As Tegan and I basically speak at the same time, always. Cool. (laughs) This is is going to be (laughs) fun. Um, you know, you, you know, you speak at the same time, but you're not Siamese twins. No, we are not Siamese twins. Yeah. <laughs> but but the but um we laugh because the reason we are such good um partners is we literally share thoughts as far as production is concerned. Yeah. And we're always bouncing ideas off each other constantly. And unfortunately, we tend to talk over each other, which can get a bit. Uh, frustrating. I, I have yeah, to be like, imagine us when we fight. That's, yeah. that's 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 certainly fun to watch. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I I think I'd probably build myself an Anderson shelter and hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be a great idea, actually. I mean, I mean, you in the show and in the film, we fight a lot, and and in person, it's usually on the friendlier side. It's usually creatively, and it's usually because we we're thinking the exact same thing, but we're just not understanding that we're thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you kind of a uh, creative, and you get your wires crossed quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I would say, I would say, I think if if you um, spend enough time with with uh, a talented creator enough time you kind of uh, you start to kind of energetically sync up 
that's if you have the same kind of outcomes and and dreams for your projects, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, Yodo, it's um, very much uh, um, so like um, you, you, the the influences for for it come from uh, things like Buffy, right? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, it very much, I think, updates what Buffy the Vampire Slayer did um, in kind of putting that vampire story in the now. You know, Buffy was so, and it just celebrated, you know, 20 years, which is crazy, because I remember it like it was yesterday. And, you know, I started rewatching Buffy, and Buffy is so 90s, and You Only Die Once takes that same kind of you know, idea of, you know, strong women and, you know, monsters and humans living together, sometimes fighting, sometimes not, but kind of in the world that we live in today. Um, and it was actually the show that were the film rather, which is now it's a show was not actually based on Buffy, but I think because I was such a, it was such a big part of my growing up that it kind of, it shows, but I was actually influenced by, um, kind of the hammer horror films of like the 1970s and then Ooh. the show vampire films from the 1980s like the lost boys and fright night were just huge for mm. me yeah I've actually, I've actually met uh you know a, a, a couple of the uh the women that were um in in the uh hammer horror films oh that's amazing um i met carolyn monroe she was actually the only one to ever be officially signed up to a contract. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, it's it's it just kind of shows, I think, the progress, you know, and how women were such a huge part of what those Hammer films were because they were a sign of kind of you know beauty. But you know, where where were the were the character tropes necessarily? And again, and I right. think that culture, and I think that's something that we're trying to kind of change. And so, I mean, and the, the Hammer films are just beautiful. So of course, I wanted to kind of update that in a. Semi, I guess, American. Well, not semi. We are American. Well, I'm American. Let's take in you're like honorary American. At this I'm, point. I'm a, I mean, I guess I'm more of a, a New Yorker. I'm a child of the world. Yeah. Cool. I'm a child of the world. But um, Amanda actually introduced me to horror. I am I am completely freaked out by horror films. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really am very scared of them. But she kind of, so when, when we, Amanda cast me in her film, and after she was done, I was like, Amanda, this is a series, this is a series, this is a series. And she was like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then eventually she was like, it's a series, will you produce yeah. it with me? And I was like, absolutely. So off I went to watch all these films, completely petrified. Mm -hmm. But I think what's so beautiful about those Hammerhead films and and kind of all the nuances that we speak about in Yodo um, are, I, I, I'm an image girl. I love a shot. So mm -hmm. the lighting and the shots are so beautiful. They're dark and colorful and and interesting and, and scary, but riveting at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually think in pictures, um, you know, it's the way I think, um, you know, someone, if someone sort of like uh, describes so, so, uh, themselves as, as a being on the phone, I sort of like envisaged them um, like little Buddha sat on top of a phone. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just the way I think. Um, yeah. Very so. funny. <laughs> But you know, so so I, I I can definitely relate there from 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 the from the setting up and layout of a shot. Yeah, on, absolutely. On, on, on and we're all about that throughout the whole production process. Amanda and I were um, geeking out about um, stills from 
other things that are currently on TV that are be that are popular, and then also, as we said, you know, horror films from the 70s and the 80s, mm-hmm. which we kind of would send to each other over over social media networks and all that. So, and it's interesting because you know when we talk about color and and how how different that was, especially for the Hammer horror films, and even I think films of the 80s like you know Evil Dead, is that when I was making the film, and even now when I'm you know as I'm in post production for the series, you know my blood and everything in the show, but especially the blood has a very specific color to it. And the blood in those films always had this brightness to it. And so, like, I would, like, show, like, a, I guess, I guess you could say snobby film person. They exist, you know, who are, like, they're very technical and down to earth in the real world. They'd be like, that blood is not that color. And I'm like, well, you know what? Watch this movie. Blood mm-hmm. is this color in the I said that to, I said that to you a few times. You did. You did say that <laughs> until I, like, forced you to realize, listen, there's a reason the blood is so bright. Right. Okay. I, got, I got a question for you about your vampire. Vampires in Yodo, uh, they don't they don't turn into glitter when they're exposed to sunlight, do they? We say no. <laughs> do they do they turn into glitter? Did you ask? Yeah, do, 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 do they, does their oh, their skin turn into glitter? Oh, no, God no, um, God no. That was I, I think that was probably our one our, like number one pet peeve hate. Yeah, vampire hates. Yeah, our vampires Twilight. are. <laughs> so it's it's if you can imagine it's you know humans. And creatures of the dead living together in Queens. It's it's like a very bizarre, but almost like very comfortable it's mashup like, of their it's, lives. It's like a vampire sitcom in a way. Like when I kind of think about it, it's like a vampire sitcom with very dark, disturbing moments thrown throughout it. I think that's kind of when I think about it, that's kind of what it's become in a way. Right. So my my stepbrother in the show. He gets he gets uh, turned and he's a vampire. So, but 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 we call him a good vampire, and we have like all these tactics to help him kind of not feed off things that he shouldn't be feeding on. You know, <laughs> so we so there's there's fun little nuances in the show about that. That's not, that sounds like no, you can't feed off the neighbor's dog. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what's the uh, what's what's the actual sort of like storyline of of the um, without giving too much away? Um, you know, how did the story come about, and and uh, what, you know, what what's kind of the storyline of of the uh, of Yoda? Yeah. Well, you know, with the film again, I was taking great influence from you know the Hammer films and specifically Dracula, and I kind of wanted to do sort of an updated version of Dracula. Uh, I can't even say the name of the film, Dracula. <laughs> Very interesting twister, clearly. Um, I wanted to do an updated version of that, but kind of twisting it a little bit and allowing, you know, females to kind of have the forefront. And so the film um, version, which we kind of call our pilot, which is up on YouTube right now, um, is about three lifelong uh, best friends and vampire hunters from Queens, New York. And one of them, um, her boyfriend, is turned into a vampire, and he tries to be this Dracula-esque, sexy, badass vampire, but he's really bad at it. And the whole kind of film is about they're coming together as a team when they're basically fighting over who gets to kill him. 
Um, and it, there's so many kind of fun characters thrown throughout. And then the series kind of picks up a little bit where the film left off, but it's not in a way that, like, you don't see the film, you won't get it. Um, but there are jokes that you definitely um, should see the pilot before you watch the series. And, you know, again, we pick up in the show with our three best friends, and they kind of learn that someone from their past is a threat to them and is trying to basically kill them, which, I mean, in vampire films, that's basically it. Um, and we have a secret killer, too, that, you know, pops in there. So there's a lot of, I think, there's a mesh of different tropes from different films. Um, I play with the Italian style of the giallo horror film a little bit, too. So there's a lot going on. But um, but the trailer gives you a pretty good idea of the story, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of watched the trailer and uh, was, you know, found myself uh, quite amused by some some of the humor there. <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, you know, kind of watched the train, uh, you know, last night about five minutes before we saw, like, uh, because obviously we, we had to reschedule because of the storm and everything. Yes. Um, um, so about 20 minutes before I was due to, due to, due to, uh, do, do this thing, uh, yesterday, I sort of like checked out the train and, um, it looks pretty cool. Um, kind of wanting to try and put some time aside so I can actually go have a look at the film on YouTube later on. Yeah, absolutely do. It um so the the film, I mean it's so beautifully st- it really is stylized. I re- I recently watched it. But a thing that was very important to me being involved in the production of this was that um that our new six episodes would have to be of a very competitive, edgy nature. And we really achieved that, I feel. And, and it's, and I, I feel it's, it's so wonderfully visible in the trailer and, and, and such wonderful things happen in the series. They go to this like fantastic dress up party where they're all dressed up as characters from Fright Night and, and just, um, so Amanda's character and my character and our other, uh, our other lead, Jamie, played by Jen Keefe, um, our dynamic is just kind of brilliant. Um, we play board games with vampires. It's all quite, it's all quite bizarre and quite lovely. And that's what you and, do on a Friday night. Because that's what you do on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. Vampires. That's like normal. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. usually, I'm usually in a dingy pub shredding guitar, but yeah, well. <laughs> right. See, so everybody's got their thing. Well, um, I one of my lines in the show is, is why can't we all just be belligerent and act like everyone else our age? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel you with the pub. So, so the girl's reality is yeah. that that they feel this need to kind of look after the people around them and the ones they love, but they're also young and in their twenties and like want to have a good time. So it's very re- it's very relatable. And I think what's awesome is that um, there's this you know when I moved to America I didn't understand the comedy and I was like. What's going on here? Like, why are people laughing at people falling? Like, it's the most bizarre thing ever. And I met Amanda, and Amanda just writes very cleverly and... And it's almost like, I'd like to call it, what I always say to you, it's like, it's kind of like this fully packed monologue, a mix between Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, um, Broad City, but also like women just being like normal people. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be all perfect and gorgeous. And I think that's also very important for the political climates we both live in for today. You know, we need to be the change we want to see. 
Mm-hmm. That was well. That was very well put, Tegan. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say, "And I met Amanda, and she just falls all the time." And I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> she does fall all the time. She is so clumsy. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very um, irritating. One of the uh, one of the big marketing points you said about the um, about the film and the series um, in in your initial email to me was was the fact that it's um, it's it's very very accessible and relatable to. Uh, to people within the LGBT community. Could you, you know, Absolutely. talk a little bit about that? Mans, would you like to? Or should I? Uh, why don't, yeah, why don't you take it? All right. So, um, you know, you don't see on TV. So so I think, you know, the major problem with a lot of uh, fear-based, like, you know, not real fear-based things is that people unfortunately see TV or uneducated or maybe uninformed people see things on TV and then they perceive it to be something. So, for example, like... You'll see a gay woman on TV. She won't even be the lead. And um, she'll be like this butch person somewhere in a corner being rude. And it's the same for like, say, an Asian person. They're, they're seen as, as the super smart person. Or a great example in America is, you know, half of middle of America haven't met Muslim people. So they think they're terrorists while the rest of us are going, no, they're just normal people. So one of our characters it was very important for us to kind of flip all those prejudices so one of those prejudices, uh, one of our characters, Jen Keith, um, she plays a gay woman in the show. She happens to be um, a gay woman also in real life. And um, she finds a, can I say it? Can she, she find, she kind of meets someone. She has a love interest. She has a love interest. That way, yeah. And, and that love interest kind of draw that whole storyline is a part of what kind of drives the story in general yeah. without mm-hmm. trying to give too much away. Yeah, and I think uh, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think one thing, and this will just relate to my style, you know, I'm someone who, you know, I write for the people that I know, the actors who are friends of mine who I think are genuinely so talented and I want to give them kind of a forum. And, you know, for example, with Jen Keith, you know, it was never like, I'm going to write a gay storyline because it's you know, yeah, right. trendy. It was just, I want to write a storyline that can be true and real to who Jen is as a person and as a character actress. And she just does it so beautifully in the show. And, you know, the other thing too, that's interesting is that, you know, thinking of like the hammer films and also I think a lot of, you know, vampire films in general, there's this trope and this idea of, Oh, the sexy lesbian vampires. And it's very one note. It's just that sex object. And, right. you know, that's fine and, and, you know, great. But, I, you know, for us, it wasn't, it, it kind of plays off of that, but in a different way. It's not yeah. meant to be, you know, like, oh, this is hot and sexy. It's meant to just be like, this is a relationship. It doesn't matter yeah, if it's two it's, women or yeah, two Yeah, like, this is just normal people in normal yeah. life just doing normal day things. It's not... It's it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal in the sense that we just want to show it. That's yeah. why it's uh, no, so basically it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that point you made about uh, sexy lesbian vampire scenes in you know, that's you know, that's something that's that dates back to the hammer hammer films, I think, yeah. as well. And, you know, I think um, a lot of that was really, you know, to serve, to titillate the, the male audience, mm-hmm. <laughs> more, more so oh, than yeah. the female well, yeah. audience. Um, I mean, I, I'd say a good, 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 good thing, a good show that has has done it well. And this is in, in uh, fantasy, in, in terms of science fiction fantasy. I mean, we had a... Um, 
you know, in, in, in terms of LGBT and, and stuff like that. We had Xena Warrior Princess, where you had the, you know, the, the, the relationship between Xena and Gabrielle. It was, right. it was almost sort of like, a, you know, a chemistry there that they could actually be more than friends sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was always seething on, on the, on, under the surface sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and another interesting one um, was um, a Canadian series. Um, it was on, on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, a show called Lost Girl. It's about Succubus, and she happened to be um, a bi yeah. character. Yeah, um, totally. I remember, I remember that show, yeah. yeah. Do you know that show? What's it called? Uh, Lost, Lost Girl. Lost Girl? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that that actually handled it pretty well. Um, yeah. it, it did play up the sexual thing and titillated a little bit, but it also played off the the actual relationship stuff as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there has to be a, a balance, you know. And and don't get me wrong, like the women in our show are very sexy. Like they, you know, there's like there's nothing about like they're not walking around in like schoolgirl. Well, I guess schoolgirl uniforms would be sexy, but I, you know, like I guess like the like the like really long skirts down to their you know feet where you can't. <laughs> Like they're, you know, like they're very sexy, but without having to kind of emphasize that on purpose, you know, I think you have to kind of have both. I mean, you know, we have male viewers and fans and, you know, we want them to, um, I mean, Tegan's in a costume that's very interesting at the, towards the pretty end. Much, of the well, it's yeah. pretty much see-through and, um, and but we only kind of through. And then she's like, I thought you wanted it like that. I was like, I didn't even just on it up. After Friday Night, um, and I think one of our actresses, our main kind of uh, female vampire, Yana Nielsen, her character is um, very, very attractive. She's the face of Yana And yeah, so we allow, I think, the realism, but also with, you know, what people and fans of the genre do want to see. So it kind of works that, I think, in a, a way that people will take to. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I think would be interesting and and um, would would like to see more in 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 entertainment and um, you know it's probably someone I was talking to earlier this afternoon that I completely disagree with me because he's a complete right winger <laughs> versus me being more to the centre sort of thing. Um, you know I, I think it'd be more it'd be quite interesting to see more trans characters, transgender characters popping up oh, in TV absolutely. shows. absolutely. Um, I mean, I think across all genres of TV, you know, because it's, because it's, uh, it's, it's like almost a taboo here, but it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's real, it's people's lives. There's, oh my gosh, you know, the political, I won't get into politics, but the political, <laughs> no, I, 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 I won't, I will not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when certain people's rights are being attacked, I mm-hmm. think it's very important as filmmakers to stand up for everybody because we are the tellers of truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all like um, we've, we've, we've had a, there's a show called Sensei on um, on Netflix at the moment. Um, it's all like um, there's a new series of it coming out later in the year. And they have oh. a trans character in that. Um, oh, and, and they also crazy. have a trans character in Orange is a New Black. That's correct. As well. Um, yeah. So we've seen a we've seen a couple of uh, trans women on TV, but there's not really been we're not seeing too much of trans men sort of thing. That's so, true. So from from, yeah. from That's, um, was it not Arrested Development? It was the other one. Oh God, I've forgotten the name now. That's uh, that. Is it transparent? Is that what you're saying? Transparent. Of? That's right. Yeah. She mm-hmm. has an affair with that's with right. a transgendered yeah. man. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Well, I think yeah. 
relates to people being able to tell their truth. And, you know, one thing that we obviously stand for, because it's what we are is, you know, as women filmmakers, you know, we're very big on feminism in film. And I think it's just getting the opportunities. I mean, that's what women are fighting for. And I think it's the same with, you know, the LGBT. It's just allowing these talented people who cares who you love or what body you feel you belong in. You know, if someone is talented and honest and true, allow their art to shine, you know, and I think that's the problem in Hollywood and in pop culture and I think just in culture in general and it just needs to change mm. right absolutely, absolutely. How, how do you guys as feminists how do you guys feel about the the whole I, I think this is actually blown up out of proportion really but uh, a couple of weeks ago Emma Watson was posing in so I can get a piece that kind of like exposed quite a bit of her boobage <laughs> sort of thing yes um, I saw I saw that I saw that <laughs> um She's the M. I, um, Amanda, did you see that? I did. I'm going to let you take this one first. <laughs> I was personally, I was not offended by it. I, I, um, so this is my take on it. I think the female form is gorgeous. I think both men and women alike would agree on that. Um, I think the, I think the problem with nudity in general is that men take it upon themselves to do what they want and touch what they want and comment what they want because boys will be boys. Yeah. You know, can you imagine my air quotes right now? <laughs> so if I want to, if I felt the need to go do a completely nude, nude shoot, that would be my prerogative, but there would also be the reality of the world in which we live in a patriarchal world. Um, men still get, get off, you know, raping women when they're blacked out and catcalling in the street. I mean, I, I can't remember what catcalling is like in London, but in, in New York, it is, it is insane. It yeah. is insane how men call out to us. So if we want to, so just round up, if we want to wear whatever we want to wear, I think we should be allowed to wear whatever we want to wear. We should be allowed to show our breasts. We should be allowed to show whatever we want. But unfortunately, the climate as it is, is one of abuse, I would say. I think everyone should be allowed to go out walking about their business completely but naked. But, you know, it'd be very impractical with the cold weather here and stuff like that. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, people obviously in, in all countries, you know, have their things, but I feel like it's, it's a very American thing that, you know, Americans freak out over nudity. Like, it's yeah, just like true. such a horrific thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, British television. And when I was in England a couple of years ago, I didn't want to leave the hotel because I just kept watching the television shows because they, and, and not for nudity, but like, because they were just so real and raw and the language they use. And it wasn't a big deal. Whereas in America, like there are certain words you can't say on certain channels and God forbid someone's nude. Like it's just this horrible taboo thing. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, no, you know, this is this is a huge thing around men, not not all men. And Ian, I'm sorry to 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 push you into it, but this is thing about men. Like, if a girl is dressed scantily, she deserves to be attacked. Mm. Now that is just the big. In fact, you know what? My sister at her school, I've got a younger sister, and the school asked the girls not to wear shorts because it distracted the boys. Well, I lost my mind. And so did she, actually. She's 14 years old. She stood up for herself. I thought it was amazing. All the girls did. And um, I, I, I just think there needs to be... right there. That's right? Yeah, I mean, there just has to be more of that, you know. Yeah. Like, it just has mm. to be 
I'm not saying don't respect your body. I'm just saying don't don't do it because it might affect a man. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. From from my point of view, if 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 a, if a girl is dressed, um, you, you use the term scantily. <laughs> yeah, scantily uh, I mean, clad. I, I think that's kind of like um, that 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 term in itself kind of like belittles it. But you know, the funny thing is, you don't see many many blokes going out dressed scantily. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, Probably because the quite a lot of us wouldn't have the confidence to do that. But I I think I think if someone's you know outdressed scantily, you know it should be respected. I I I don't really see see as um, as them asking to be attacked. I see it as them just sort of like um, well, thank you. (laughs) I see it as them just expressing themselves. You know, it's um, that's what clothes are for. It's you know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, it's right. It's all about expression. And you know, you you know, we're in the film industry. We work very hard on our bodies and our skins and all of that. We want to wear bikini. I mean, I'm from South Africa. I'm originally from South Africa. We we make it half the time. We're in bikinis most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Queens, so that's not the same thing. But that's uh, not you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, especially right now. You can't walk out in a bikini or anything. It's very, very no. Cold. It's about minus four here right now. <laughs> I mean, Tegan, you might do it anyway. I don't know. Well, it's too cold, guys. An interesting, <laughs> another interesting one about uh, about nudity in skin is uh, tattoos and um, and um, piercings and stuff like that. Um, now I had an interesting conversation. My uh, my brother-in-law, um, he he was going. He he, he saw like he's got got this view that um, you know women that have tattoos it kind of takes away from their femininity. And I thought, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, know? not at all. I, I, I don't well, think I, it that's does. That's quite a narrow view. Yeah, you know, it's 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 all, it's quite a surprising view for me as well because uh, my 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 brother-in-law is actually you know very very liberal. He's very sort of like. Is 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 you know is to the left politically, but you know that that kind of view came up because I you know I I get tattoos and the artist that works on me she she she's um she's really good and and she yeah. she's got all, she's 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 got quite quite a few tattoos but she still looks feminine. <laughs> you know. I have tattoos. You have a tattoo, right? Right, Amanda. You have one. I do. I do. Yeah. Well, and I think that that idea just kind of goes into the same thing we were talking about with anything, you know, LGBT. It's somebody who's maybe a little different than what someone maybe normally surrounds themselves with for them to have that view. Like, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I don't see how that would take away from, you know, someone being viewed as feminist. I just think that's kind of more feminist. Yes, that's why I I haven't, I personally haven't thought of that before. I, um, I've heard I it. Before, have, yeah. you, have you? Wait, well, what rock am I living under? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I think what they mean is women that get like, like the sleeves where it's like very visible, like everywhere. I like that. I don't think why like one. I mean, I have one tattoo and it's not visible. Um, that um, didn't sound right, but um, <laughs> I, well, yeah, it's not in place. It's, ba- it's not in a bad place. It's just as a as a performance, it's not highly visible. Yeah, it's I actually like that. I mean, you know, I had a girlfriend one time. Um, and she had a she, she she had a sleeve and it was it was it was a very feminine sleeve actually it was full full mm-hmm. of uh, things like My Little Pony and Care Bears and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, you know, so. that's, that's adorable. So, I freaking loved My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. Oh, Care Bears are where it's at. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. What about Care Bears? <laughs> don't know if I would get a tattoo to my body. I um I don't have a tattoo because my mother would die. <laughs> So um, 
as uh, and also I'm actually too indecisive. I don't think I'd ever know what to wear. Yeah. You wouldn't know. You would not. I would never. It would. It, it would be like a constant stream of me getting a text, like, and getting like, it placed. Stock's not right. That needle point. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too sure about it. Oh, <laughs> is that my accent? That was not. That was, that was actually not my best one. I think you got no, a little, like, you've done better one than that. Oh, my, my mother when I got my first tattoo, it was, it was funny because she objected to me getting a tattoo, but went out and got one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, was in, I, I was in America at the time, and um, you know I, I, I'd come come back to the uh, to the hotel with this uh, you know small dingy tattoo. I've had it covered now with um, with, with Rocketeer and Betty, <laughs> um, and she she rang everyone up saying. Ian's gone and got himself a tattoo, you know, he's sort of like, she was ringing absolutely everyone, having the same conversation. <laughs> Ian's got oh a tattoo. My thought, oh my God, well, you know, sort of like, um, you so know. What did, so what did your family have to say then? Oh, they, they just had to shut up in the end, they got used to it. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, never mind. So I've got, like it's there now, so. I've got a more blatant yeah. as, I've, as I've got an older as well, I've actually got um, a half sleeve of walls on, on one arm. Oh, shit. And uh, you know it's almost a half sleeve. It's just got to go all. It's just got to go the rest of the way round. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Um, Could be better you than. Yeah, well, they are painful. <laughs> um. So you know, back onto the um, back back onto to to Yodo. Um. What what other shows um would you say have informed it other other than Buffy? Um. You know, is there, is there anything is there anything specific? A genre of horror, um, horror director, writer, but but you'd say has been particularly inspiring. And, and oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I think visually, obviously on a smaller budget, but we definitely love the look of like a show like True Blood. I mean, I think Tegan, you'd agree visually that's definitely stylistically what we try to do, even right. at a kind of smaller scale. Um, but I think. You know, creatively, I mean, Sam Raimi, obviously, you know, the stuff he was doing with, you know, Evil Dead, just so um, incredible to watch. And, you know, so again, on a smaller scale, I mean, I would work with my my DP, who's she's incredible, um, Samantha Pyra, shout out. Um, and we would like try to get those like Sam Raimi Evil Dead shots, you know, and she would just be like, she'd have the camera handheld and she'd like run up to something to get a close up. And like, she just, she was such a perfectionist of like getting it right. And we're like, this is your Sam Raimi moment. And then when we would get it done, it'd be like, yes. Um, so I mean that's definitely um, I had to take it laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think you know someone outside of the horror genre in terms of I think the humor. Um, I think Tegan, you mentioned it. You know Tina Fey's comedy, um, specifically I think a show like um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It definitely has that vibe because it, you know we go very dark at times, but then we we have these lighter kind of surreal quirky moments that I think right. fit into it quite nicely. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, vi- and visually it's, it's quite interesting. Cause as I said, I don't come from the horror genre, but I have a very big opinion about, uh, what looks good and what doesn't. And yeah. so some of the, it, the stills that I really loved, um, there's a show here called master of none. Mm-hmm. It's Aziz Anasi. And, um, he, ju- it's, and it's, it's funny, I guess, how it kind of is overlap, but maybe it's, maybe it's society's obsession with the 80s. I don't know, because, um, as, you know, as filmmakers, we make those images with, uh, gels and lenses, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
even though I wasn't like I'm not a huge uh, well I wasn't a huge horror fan the images were still the same as you know do you know what I'm saying Amanda they were still the same as the ones that I loved yeah you know I would send I would send her this gorgeous image from the still from not master of none and Amanda would send me back like oh this is this is on my storyboard already yeah so and and like from from a horror genre so I think it's all our influences are quite an amalgamation of well and I know the ones that I mean I mean you you know Keegan would send me obviously more kind of pleasant images um, that were right. still, I would send you kind of the horror ones. Another one visually for me, and, and this is unfortunate for Teague and having to get these images, were definitely Dario Argento still. Yeah. So just like these these grotesque, horrible scenes of like gruesome murders, but beautifully done. I mean, the color is, same thing with the Hammer films, like the color is just out of this world that, I mean, it is an art form in itself for sure. Mm. Yeah, the thing I love about the horror film, the Hammer films, is when whenever somebody was uh, bitten by a vampire or bleeding to death, the blood would just sort of like ooze out of the yeah. snowy. Oh yeah. Whereas that that actually wouldn't actually happen in reality if they if they're bitten, you strike an actual vein. I mean, somebody so. somebody critiqued recently on I think um, the film. They were like, which I thought was a little interesting. They were like. The, the death scenes are, um, what, did, what did they say? Something like, um, like over the top. And I'm like, over the top? It's a horror movie. I don't even think it was, I, for me, I didn't even think it was, it, it, I think we could have gone further. Like, that's always my thing. I'm always like, more blood. I and mean, I, think, I think Eli Roth says that all the time. It's like, more blood. Like, that's that's how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I've never really been scared of horror films. I just find them funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, horror, horror, and horror and comedy are brother and sister. Absolutely. Yeah. I do not like them. I think the world is a scary place. Yeah. Um. But but I mean I I mean I'm dying to see Get Out now. You know. Jordan Peele's new film. Cool. Have you heard of it, Ian? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've not really uh, seen any trainers for it or anything like that, and that's quite deliberate. Um, because I tried it's, to. Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. It's uh, one of your actors from um, Black Mirror is in it. Cool. English actor from Black Mirror is in it. His name's Daniel. Don't know what his last name is. Um, but fantastic actor. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a Daniel film that... Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Great. Well, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I did see that film, and it's it kind of you know it it, it speaks to the political climate in such a way that's brilliant and it's a film that's it's scary and it's funny and it's just also you know I, I i think jordan peele the director is so fantastic and i i said this to you tegan after i saw it that you know the thing that struck me which is what i think you know i try to do with, with you only die once is that he clearly is such a devoted fan of the horror genre because that right. film I mean, like, the, the casual viewer won't get it. I'm just a, I'm a bit of a nerd, I guess. I'm, I'm not a nerd. I, I like to say, I like You're to a horror nerd. You like to be a horror nerd. I actually studied it in college, so I think I, I, I can say horror, I think that's but, sufficiently, um, that sufficiently allows you to be called it a horror is. When you, when you read enough horror essay books as I have, I think I get that title. But, you know, it's very, it speaks to a lot of the films of the 1970s. Um, I kind of, when I got out of Get Out, I kind of, I, my impression was that it kind of was like taking um, the Wicker Man and the Stepford Wives and kind of letting them have a baby and then putting in a little bit of comedy and social commentary, and that's Get Out. 
Um, and I think, and he did that with the music and the images and just the story. And, you know, with You Only Die Once, you know, my thing was kind of taking films from like the 1980s and, you know, Hammer films of the 70s and all that stuff um, and just kind of blending it in a way that is still very mm-hmm. current to, you know, feminism and what we're all about as, you know, as a filmmaker. So it's safe to say that you guys are not fans of the Twilight films? No, 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 gosh, no. Thank God for that. <laughs> I laughed my whole, I laughed, I, I think I saw, I saw two and was very angry at the person who made me saw the second, because I felt like I'd been like really gypped. Yeah. Yeah. I nice. thought, yeah, I was like. So well, I think it's everything that's wrong with feminism and, you know, also just teenagers, like that's not, I mean, again, I grew up with Buffy, like, I'm sorry, the whole vampire human thing, like that's, that's doing it right. Even though I'm, I'm to this day, I can't stand Angel, but I will always be a Spike Buffy fan. But anyway, that, that's me going on a tangent. But um, I will say with Twilight, I only saw maybe half of the first film. And I think visually, um, I mean, Catherine Hardwick is a phenomenal director. I love her. Um, and I think visually, it's a very, um, it's a well done film. Um, so I think even if I, you and I sat down and watched it shot for shot, I think, I think we would we, get quite excited. We, about yeah, it. we have a lot of nice things to say about it, but I approach things very much from a story perspective. Mm. So for me, it's just like, I can't. I, I yeah, can't. Amanda and I will be watching something. We watch a lot of like web series and content to see kind of where our content is. And she'll just be like, I can't, I don't understand why someone wrote the story. She's, she's like, there's no plot line. There's no twit. There's. Amanda Amanda is very technical and, and that's what makes Yodo actually so incredible because there is something happening in every single scene. There is something exciting happening, uh, something you are not cliched either and, and the jokes are on point because the characters are actually just speaking as themselves. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm in love with Yodo, so <laughs> Yeah, I thought you said he was in love with Yoda then for a second. (laughs) 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 Listen, I actually, I will go on the record and I've said this to everyone I know. I hate that that so many people call it Yodo. Even I call it Yodo because I'm not, like, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Like, I have nothing against Star Wars. I've actually never even really seen much of it. But it just sounds like Yoda. And so every time I say Yodo, I think of Yoda. And I'm like, God damn it, that's not what it is. It's Y-O-D-O, but, like, it just, you can't help but, like, associate the two. And I love that it's called Yodo, because yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone always has, like, like a, ah, oh, YOLO, YOLO. And then, so, no, and then, like, I didn't know what YOLO was either for a long time, and, like, I had heard it, and then I just, it was a line written for the character of Rufus, and that's how the title of the film came about. And somebody said to me, like, oh, YOLO, like, Drake? I'm like, what is that? Who's, like, he started, I never even knew Drake started. Is that it. how Drake? Drake started it. Apparently, Did you know that. Yeah, that this Drake is what I'm told. I don't even know. I I didn't because I I don't really I don't really listen to Drake. Um, I I'm sort of like um uh, I'm kind of like 1980s and 90s rock. Listen, <laughs> that's me. So I'm with you. Um, that's a I do listen to Drake, but I also love a good of, of I love 70s rock. That's yeah. my that's my. Well, David Bowie, yeah. Steely. Uh, yeah, well, David Bowie is in everything, isn't he? He's just well, incredible. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, uh, I'd say I'm 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s rock, you know, and, and, and Foo Fighters. <laughs> basically when Fighters, music was good, basically. You know, yeah, you know, basically when, it's, when it wasn't all this manufactured crap we're getting now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are getting some strange music today, but um, I actually quite love rap now. I'm obsessed with hip-hop and rap. Yeah. I was not when I lived in Cape Town or London because, as you know, in London it's like garage music. 
then pop, the top European 40, and then South Africa, they're obsessed with house music. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, God, hip-hop is this very, like, misogynistic art form. It is not. I'm it's, obsessed oh, now. Chance the Rapper and Frank Ocean are, like, my base. It depends yeah. on the, it depends on the artist, you know. What, yes, you know, I would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've got, I've got a friend called called Raman, um, and he, 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 he produces his own, his own grind beats sort of thing. And I've been I've been doing a bit of collaborating with him, you know, with, with the guitar and, and whatnot. So yeah. that's amazing. Then you have Dizzy Rascal, don't you? Dizzy Rascal. You don't know who that is, hey Matt? Dizzy Rascal. I uh, do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not for that. Tegan just wants an excuse to start singing. I think that's. I face that. Yeah. We we also we also have Simon Cowell, unfortunately, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's I, funny. I think I think he's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. You know, he polishes those <laughs> teeth every day. I would, listen, I would stand by that. <laughs> I, I would also second that. Mm -hmm. I would say he's not listening, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Whoops. He, he's, Anyhow, he's probably too busy adjusting the auto tuning for his next great find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. Um, so um, when, when's the series going to be released? Um, yeah. Well, so our plan as of now is to premiere the show on YouTube um, this spring. Um, we don't have our official release date just yet, but we're thinking probably the end of May, early June. So if you guys follow us on our YouTube channel, um, as well as on our website at www.yodoseries.weebly.com, uh, we're kind of all over the place. Um, we're on um, Twitter and Instagram um, at, at Yodo Series, um, and you guys can stay updated on that. Cool. All right. Uh, what, what was it that made you decide to uh, take this to the web and not try to sort of like send it as a main uh, to the mainstream? Well, I can speak in that vein. Yes. Um, I actually do. I want to sell the second season absolutely without a doubt. Um, but I've done I've done quite a bit of research, and you know the film industry's changed a lot right now. You know. Yes, HBO have people write, studios have people writing for them, absolutely, but um, people are looking for content, so especially in New York, so you are far more likely to get something picked up if you have something already kind of fleshed out. Um, you know what you know what your brand is and you know what your show looks like and then you start hitting up people so we want it to be accessible first you know on a streaming sorry not on a streaming on a on a like a YouTube kind of flat platform or a vib, like that kind of vibe and then we'll sell it yeah I also think like Yoda would have been weird to pitch without anything to show you know I think people would have been like what like Kimmy Schmidt meets like Broad City with vampires. That's um, okay, but I Absolutely. think absolutely, and you, you know, really we, have to know no, what you do. Yeah, yeah, you really have to know what you're doing in order to pitch a show like that. I mean, uh, no, no. I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there aren't that many young artists walking into networks and being like, "So I've got this amazing idea of a show. You need to buy it." You know, even, for example, with something like Broad City yeah. um, or even Kimmy Schmidt. But, I mean, Kimmy Schmidt, she already had executives behind her because of The Office. Yeah. Um, but with Broad City, I mean, those girls, they made a first season. They made a second season. And the second season, they started paying people, you know, making their product better. Um, we we already, you know, we've this product that we have now is is quite fantastic, as if I might say myself, so myself. And um, 
please God, an easy sell. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> please God. Yeah, let's let's just speak to all our guardian angels. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I I think mean, think or the or FX, the Netflix. Netflix. You know, I think. I think media is constantly changing. So who knows what that next big platform might be? You know, maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows where Yoda is meant to be? Mm-hmm. Well, Yoda know, will tell us. Well, yeah. Ho- ho- hopefully, hopefully it goes on to be um, a huge success for you guys. You know? Absolutely. From your mouth, so, God's ears. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, I think that's all, all I've really got for you. Is, um, is, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, like to promote? Do you, do you have any other projects going on or any, anything, you know, that, that, that you'd like to make people aware of that you, you've put out that, that hasn't been, hasn't really been viewed much? I think we, um, we kind of on the Yodo train yeah. at the moment. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a feature that I, um, produced back in June, but that's still very much in, in, um, in editing mode. Yoda, I mean, for me, Yodo is the most kind of fully fledged thing at the, you know, it's it's a baby that needs a lot of attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. Amanda, it's a full yeah. it's a full time it's a really a full time job. It is it's a full it's a full time job, and you know when you live in a world where you know somebody said to me I think recently like you know don't don't you know you're stressed don't go and kill anybody and I'm like well trust me I've been killing people in the editing room for <laughs> months now so that's how I deal with my stress it's just oh this person p- is pissing me off well I'm killing them you know in the show so mm-hmm. so there's yes, that. Amanda, you're giving away secrets you know. Yeah. I, well, I, well, it's a show called You Only Die Once, so I think people understand that people will probably die yeah right I'm yeah. Guess that. yeah but only once <laughs> only once yeah <laughs> only once <laughs> yeah well I mean it's an irony because you then die and then you come back as a vampire and then you come back, so it's yeah. yeah 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 we just like to promote um our YouTube channel I mean if everyone could go it's you only die once the series you can go check out all our fun little clips because we've got a lot of videos that we put up constantly um, separate from from the trailer, from the movie um, and from the six episodes that will be released. But you basically can learn all the characters. We'll be doing character breakdowns now where people will get to meet uh, all the different characters. So look out for that yeah. and subscribe to our channel. We'll yeah. do. Um, the best of what with, with um, You Only Die Once. Um, and and um, of course Yodo. Yes. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Daniel Corey, writer of Image Comics Moriarty and Red City and Danger Cats Ludworth, and you are listening to SFP now. Okay, I'd like to thank Amanda B. Goodman and Tegan for for their time and um, and energy. Um, Talking, talking about the show, um, you can actually go see Yodo on um, on on YouTube when when it, when it's actually released. We'll we'll put the uh, necessary links um, on on SciFiPulse.net. Um, anyway, right now, uh, joining me for the TV segment of the show, um, as always, is Raisa. Hello. Well, hi. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. I, I'm good. Um, we got quite a few shows to get through this week. I think you brought up three in in the uh, in the pre-show chat that you want to want to discuss. Um, so should we do yours first, and then we'll then then we'll do mine last. Yes, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what should we start with? Should we start with humans? Yeah, let's start with humans. Um, keep in mind the the two hour finale hasn't aired for me yet, but since um. 
uh, since we probably won't be doing this for a couple more weeks, I wanted to discuss it now. Uh, season two has been much stronger than the initial season. They learned a lot of lessons, it looks like. Mm, they did, they did indeed. I mean, I, I, you know, season two, uh, when it was on, it went by much faster. Yes. You know? uh, but I think that was also to, to do with the fact that it was actually on in winter, whereas mm. season one aired in the spring. So, mm. you know, maybe time just goes faster in the winter i don't know but um they, they did seem to be the the episodes seemed to be more pacier yes um they got out of the kitchen sink drama thing a little bit and the, and the new characters that they added uh such as hester yeah uh, the psychotic robot <laughs> yes bless her heart she is not well no. Yeah, she 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 is twisted, um, as as you'll find out in the uh, in the finale. I'll not say too much more than that. Okay. But, um, but they they did learn a lot of lessons, um, and it, you know the way it ends, it ends with with intent to continue on for another year. Um, I'll say that much to you. So I I, I figured it would because I it seemed to me that if AMC was putting their share of the money in to, to as a co-production, they would want it to run for a bit. Um. I I love the fact that they brought Odie in from season one. He's he's been very refreshing because mm-hmm. all of the other characters are so glum for obvious reasons. I mean they've got reasons to be glum, but Odie is like just a breath of fresh air, just for contrast of nothing else. He's been absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they haven't had as much of Leo of uh, uh, Leo's character as I was expecting. They've kind of downplayed him this year. Yeah, they they, they did. Um, you know, they've also that they haven't had quite as much of the uh, of the family either. Um, Which I'm, th- most... I'm thankful for because I did not like the kitchen sink drama. I don't watch my sci-fi shows for kitchen sink drama, so I really resent it when sci-fi shows and and, and fantasy shows, for that matter try to include the kitchen sink drama because that's what kitchen sink drama's for and I don't watch those shows normally and that's for another audience. Leave me alone. Um, so I, I really don't you know, appreciate that stuff. So the fact that they've, you know, uh, downplayed that has been very, very helpful. Mm, yeah, but why I wasn't grateful for them downplaying was the, you know, the they, they still use the mother from, from, from that kitchen sink drama in, in order to fight, uh, oh God, what's the name now, the, uh, the blonde one? Miska. In order, in order to fight Miska's corner. See, this is it. You know, I forget the names because I've not sort of like seen the show in about uh, four months. It, it finished airing here in in December last year. I'm so. I'm I'm loving Miska. She's awesome. She yeah. she is. She's uh, she's very complex. And you know, initially, if you know, you see Niska who's relatively sane and has reasons to be to be um, a badass and really angry. And then you see Hester. You know, it's who, like you know, it's like a complete contrast. Yeah. No. No. Hester. The only thing I can figure is that Hester's wiring was bad from the get-go, and then just becoming sentient didn't help. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. That's the only. That's the only way Hester makes sense because she's had no arc. She just started out that way. Whereas you're right, Niska makes more sense. They they arced her in such a way that you look at her and go, yeah, that's why that happened. Well, the, the only thing and, the only thing we have about to go on about Hester is she was in a she was in, in she was in an, an industrial sort of setting, as in she was basically an industrial worker bot. So yeah, and they they were violent toward them. They were they yeah. did establish that. So, um, but even so, it doesn't quite explain the degree to which Hester just comes out blazing the way she does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't track you know quite as organically as as a character like Nis- Niska. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. What did you think of uh, the Carrie Ann Moss character? I'm I'm loving her, and she's 
she she was necessary because she she is very much the replacement for uh, William Hurt's character last year because they they needed a more cerebral character coming at this from 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 yes an emotional standpoint but also a more cerebral standpoint. Um, they needed somebody to get esoteric with it, and the fact that she's actually trying to retrieve her now dead daughter's consciousness through through her AI is is just. It's really thematically very interesting, and I'm hoping we get some carry through in subsequent seasons with her. Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 pretty tragic. It is. It is. the The one through line is that none of these characters are having a good time. Mm-hmm. It just they're just it just all sucks. And Humans is one of those shows that you have to you have to brace yourself for because it's well. First off, it's based on like a Swedish show. And so that in itself says a lot because the 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 um, the, the, the Swedish, um, Danish those those shows tend to be a little bleaker than average in general. So oh, you know, you've never uh, watched EastEnders, no? Oh god! You know EastEnders is bleak. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm glad I don't watch it. Well, I don't watch it. I'm just mentioning that it's bloody bleak. Bleak. You know, yeah. we, we have a depressing episode every Christmas where someone either dies, gets arrested raped or run over by a combine harvester it's just not it's just not oh, a good god. show at all <laughs> oh god yeah so, so human humans is one of those shows i enjoy but i've got to get into a certain mindset it's one of the reasons why i haven't watched westworld yet because i don't have enough energy for two shows about artificial intelligence not having a good time at the same time so I want to get through humans and then i'll tackle westworld yeah westworld's good you know I, I, yeah I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it uh, this this weekend or next week sometime I will, I will start checking that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. So no, I'm I'm looking forward to the finale. Season two is is a vast improvement over season one. I I had to think hard before I even watched season two because I was that underwhelmed by season one, frankly, mm-hmm. at just a basic structural level. Yeah, I mean, we, well, you see my reviews of season one, then you see my reviews of season two, and the, the reviews of season two were definitely better. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, because season one, I was just unhappy with the overall pacing of the thing. It sort of like it went really fast for the first two episodes, and then it sagged in the middle. <laughs> yes. To to a point yes. that when when the series actually did finally end at the end of season one, I I'd actually more or less taught myself out of going back to it for season two. Yeah. No. And it it was the it was the fact it was the fact that they were going to bring back Odie that convinced me that this was worth checking out again. So I'm glad they did that. Mm. Well, what convinced me to come back was uh, an interview that the uh, actress gave that, you know, that plays Niska when she said it's going to take on a more international song like flavour. Uh, mm. the, the, the story's going to spread out more and be, be, become bigger. That's what got oh. me coming back, where a song like it was, it was too kitchen sink drama, which made it too small. It just sort of like it was all about the family and uh, and and Mia and, and, and what whatnot. Yeah, yeah. To a point where every everything that was good about the first season, you know, Leo and um, and 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 his mate and and the uh, conspiracy to capture them and and all that was so like wasn't given as much importance as the kitchen sink drama. No, no, yeah. So I think another show you want to talk about is uh, the Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snickets, which was which came out in January on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, and, and I finally got around to it. Um, just. 
it's only so many hours in the day, but I, I really loved it. I wasn't familiar with, I, I had heard about the books, but I hadn't read them. And I wasn't familiar with the Jim Carrey version. I hadn't watched that either. So I went into it cold and absolutely loved it. Um, like I, I felt like it was a show I'd been waiting for. Um, well, I, I just, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with the Jim, I was familiar with the Jim Carrey version, but I didn't watch it because it was Jim Carrey. Uh, um, because I, I don't really, I don't really think Jim Carrey is that, that good of a, uh, an actor, to be honest. He's a bit one note. No, and this works because of Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, but I think the kids were good actors as well. They're, they're, they're very good actors. They've got a problem though, because they've got, a bunch of books to get through, and they've got to do it all while they, before the kids start aging. Mm. Um, so they're, they're gonna they're gonna have an interesting production schedule if they want to get this done. Well, you know there is such thing as CG. True, true. You know, so. and uh, they, they they use quite a lot of it in in Lemony Snicket's. <laughs> yeah, I will say that I thought the the inclusion of the baby is some of the most inclusion most creative inclusion of a baby I've ever seen. <laughs> a baby yeah. going through everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it um, overall when when you know in in, in January and uh, as you know I was I was still reeling with the uh, depression at losing my cat back in January and 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 all of that so that that show kind of managed to sort of keep me up. Yes, and and it's interesting that it was able to do that because that show is very much about loss mm. and and uh, it's it's one of the prevalent themes and yet the, the way they deal with it is very cathartic mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's really well done. And like I said, Neil Patrick Harris, um, who has an executive producer credit, which I think is pretty requisite these days, but he, he deserves the, the executive producer credit because he does so much. And the, that entire cast is, is awesome. And the, the guest stars are insane, insanely good. Yeah, I couldn't believe they got Alfred Woodard. Yes, they, they, they got some names for that. They thing. got some pretty major names for it, you know. Um, I, I quite enjoyed the uh, the second story with the with the reptile keeper. Oh yes, he was lovely. I was so sorry he was going to die, but the foreshadowing, you know, was so it was just there. And the fact that they even introduced the concept of dramatic irony for the younger viewers. <laughs> It's like it's not going to end well, children. Yeah, and and, and uh, the guy that was doing the narrator narrating, uh, the guy Patrick was, Warburton. Patrick yeah, Warburton. He's, awesome. he's brilliant playing them in oh Snickers. He's, he's incredible. Fantastic. He's incredible. Um, genre fans will remember him as the Tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the Tick. Yeah, yes. and Pat, no, Patrick Warburton is um, he is he's awesome. I I guarantee you though that. At some point, there's going to be some fourth wall breaking where he actually interacts with the kids in narrative. It's going to have to happen. Well, it's, it's uh. going, to, going to have to happen anyway because the, the, the uh, series is called Lemony Snickets, yes. a series of unfortunate events. And, you know, at the moment he's narrating, in, in, you know, it's all in the past tense. Um, yeah. you've got to you've got to be asking yourself who told him all, about all these these stories. Yeah, he well, he alludes to the fact that the children, you know, in later years said this or that, but the other thing was they they must have met later on. But but it's you know I I I knew and the thing is the show managed to surprise me with so which such few shows actually do anymore. Um, I knew that mother and father were going to, to, to die at the end just because that was thematically how the show was set up. But I hadn't, I hadn't counted on the second set of kids. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the fact that the, the season finale was going to end with a second set of kids with a different half of the code thingy. 
So yeah, and that actually was a surprise. Yeah, it's, it was it was clever. I mean, I mean that that first uh, series was based on the uh, first four books, I think. The first four books, I, and I like how it's structured. Like like every two episodes is a book, mm-hmm. and and because uh, they're they're apparently not very long books, but there are a lot of them. They're because they're written for younger audiences, and and so every two to every two episodes is a book, and so we've gotten we've gotten through the first. For, uh, first four books. Yeah. Bring it series. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there's actually a series I want to talk about now um, before we bring your last uh, series in. Um, as you know, Iron Fist uh, premiered this weekend. I know that you wasn't into it, that you gave up after the first sort of like um, five 15 minutes. minutes. 15 That's minutes. That's all I could say. That's all I could say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I just, it's purely subjective. The, the Netflix Marvel shows just are not, they're not doing it for me. No. Um, that's, that, that's why I switched to Lemony Snicket. Yeah, I, I, was just, I think the reason they're not doing it for you is, is that there, there are street level shows. I, yeah, um, I, just, I don't, I don't like street level narrative. Arrow is actually my least favorite of the of the DC shows for um, of the DC network shows for that reason. Yeah, but the more street level um, than Arrow. Uh, yeah, oh, even honest. even more than that. Okay, uh, because it's um, yeah, true, true. Because with, with Arrow, you, you you pretty much know what the narrative's going to be with a Netflix show. You know, it's basically when they're bringing a new character on a Netflix show, it's 13 episodes explaining that character's uh, origin story. Mm. Um, but I, I actually liked Iron Fist. Um, mm. Admittedly, the first six episodes were kind of slow. There's a slow build-up. Um, they, they, were sort of like, uh, they used probably the first four, maybe five episodes to sort of like explain who's Danny Rand and, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which kind of, um, you know, slowed the pacing down uh, a little bit too much. But once it found its flow, around about sort of like episode four, five, and six, mm-hmm. once it started to find its flow, it, it got really good. And, you know, sort of like um, the, 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 uh, the, the interesting thing was, is, um, you know, they, they, they kind of changed the origin story somewhat. Um, because in the comic book, um, Danny Rand um, goes on an expedition to Kung Lun with his with his father um, and uh, and his mother, and um, of course Harold Meacham, uh, their his you know his father's business partner. Now in the comic, Meacham breaks his father's hat breaks uh, Danny Rand's father's hand and um, sort of tosses him off a cliff. And he sort of like abandons Danny and his mother. And what what happens is a a, a bridge kind of opens up out of nowhere. What um, once once Meacham's got you know gone out of the picture sort of thing. And um, they get attacked by wolves. And his mother gets savaged by wolves in front of him. And um, some monks uh, pick up Danny Rand and and train him to become uh, a mystical sort of like a kung fu uh, warrior. They, they basically train him to become the Iron Fist. Mm. And, 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 in, and in the myth, the Iron Fist protects the uh, secret island of Kung Lun from the mm. hand, which is... Uh, I, I, would, I would love just more of that, because the, the mystical storylines are, are more my cup of tea. Yeah, well, it might be worth you going back to it again and just suffering through the first six episodes till you, till you get to it. Mm. Um, 
Um, but ba- basically, there's there's um, that. And um, but in in a comic book, uh, the re- the reason Danny Rand's father's taken him on this expedition is to meet um, his sensei in the island of Kongon. Because he knows okay. where the island is, and and the island apparently in the comics only comes accessible once every ten years. Uh, okay. Okay. In in the series, they changed that to once every fifteen years to justify the fact that he went missing for fifteen years. Uh. Um, but it's so like um, it's that and the fight sequences were were were, were good in 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 the comic um, in 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 the series. Um, you know the the actual use of the iron fits this uh, how he has to sort of like channel his chakra in order to sort of like make use of the iron fist was was quite quite heavily explained and done. And and the fact that he's sort of like he's he's teams up with a uh, Pongin Wing who's actually a, a fully trained Bushido samurai. Oh, is, cool. is uh is is good. Um, they they even changed her soaring iron for the uh for the for the for the series as well because in the comic she's already aware of the iron fist and and who Danny Rand is because she's actually sent to meet him in in the comic book whereas in in this um she doesn't know who he is and he doesn't know who she is so they, they so they kind of meet and that's kind of like the love story sort of element to it that that, that they sort <clears throat> into it there. Um, but it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they incorporate this into the defenders because I I I put I put um, odds even money on on the fact that when when they come together as the defenders they're going mm-hmm. to be fighting the hand yeah and and the hand are kind of like a group of mystical ninjas that can resurrect people from the dead and and do all sorts of weird shit yeah yeah, yeah I did watch the first season of Daredevil so I know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they featured a little bit in the second season as well, mm. um, especially towards the end where it concerns Anetra. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, but I I really enjoyed it. I was I was actually pleasantly surprised because I've never really um, heard of Iron Fist or read any of the, any of the Iron Fist comics. Uh, the only comics um, that, that I've actually read that they've actually done. On, on Netflix shows is Daredevil, um, so I enjoyed it, and um, but I still think the best of the of the Netflix shows so far has to be Jessica Jones. Mm. You know um, that's street level, but you've got a mystical villain in the form of um, David Tennant, who was absolutely flipping brilliant in that show. Mm, yeah. So I don't know if you've seen it. No, I I, I skipped it. I, um... I don't like street level stuff too much, and I just I wasn't in the mood to be depressed. Mm. So, so okay. yeah, I just it's a little too dark. <laughs> well, it's but, not, it's uh, not as dark as the Game of Bloody Thrones. Well, that's that's the reason I wasn't in the mood to be depressed. I was already watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> I didn't need two shows, you know, where people are just that screwed up. It's actually um, it's actually like comic comic relief in comparison to Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and 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 humans for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just I I I I do depressing in very very small doses because yeah. <laughs> I just I can't take it. I, I guess um, I guess I must have a stronger depression for a strong threshold. Yeah, I just um yeah maybe. Yeah, basically, I usually do if if I'm watching something that's you know you, you could construe as a little bit depressing, I usually watch a cartoon or a, a Disney movie after it. <laughs> mm. You know, even yeah. that I'll get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your next show is. Oh, wait, let's do let's do time after time since we're since you're the one doing yours. Well, you know, okay. Well, 
Time after time, um, as yeah. we know, we've seen the fourth episode aired last night. Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting because you need a certain amount of narrative economy mm-hmm. to make these kinds of storylines work, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little claustrophobic. There's almost a little too much narrative economy going on. It's like they all know and they're all related. Yeah, that's, that's what I find a little bit weird is, uh, you know, Brock knows uh griffin knows but you know vanessa doesn't know that griffin knows vanessa doesn't know that brooke knows yeah. um you know that that's sort of like uh, they need to clear that up pretty damn quickly it's, it's gonna drag and yeah. considering and considering that's gonna be a very a very thin margin that they get that they even get a season two they need to just move this along mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, you know, so like, um, you know what I think it is? And and this is quite obvious, really. Yeah. I think Griffin and Brooke are probably the descendants of John Stevenson. Yes, the, the way that, the way that, um, the way that, uh, whether Vanessa is a descendant of H.G. Wells. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And yeah. Dr. Moreau is in there somewhere. Well, you know, the, the, the surname of Brooke is actually Munro. Oh, Munro. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. That and, then it gets, and then it gets changed to Moreau. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, that rhymes with Moreau. So, you know, maybe, maybe he started off as Moreau and I changed it to Munro. Yeah. Uh, because of the, uh, the, the fallout from what Dr. Moreau did. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've quite enjoyed it so far. You know, I'm finding the characters quite likable. I like, I think Freddie Stromer's doing a pretty good job of H.G. Wells. And, yes, um, and um, and the the um, I forget the name of the actor who's playing uh, Stevenson, but the guy that's playing Stevenson is doing it very very well. Not yeah, quite David Warner considering, considering, considering he's got he's got to go, you know, with the previous film and what was done in the previous film, he's doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not not a, not a small thing to live up to David Warner. Or Malcolm McDowell, for that matter. So, mm-hmm. but I, 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 Josh Bowman, Josh Bowman. Yes. Yeah, Josh Bowman. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been surprised because um, I thought this could either go either one or two ways, given who's involved in 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 it. Because it's the same guy that produced Vampire Diaries, and if you've ever seen Vampire Diaries, it's kind of like definitely nine old, definitely was nine old two one oh with fangs yeah i've i've seen enough of it to know it's mm. not my cup of tea well yeah. i've I seen one or two episodes of it and it just saw like um i just thought this is just definitely was nine old two one oh with fangs yes no it's it's pretty bad and that was one of my issues too it's because i i didn't watch vampire diaries the only cw shows i watch are the um are the dc ones and i have issues with the dc ones because the dc ones are being infected by cw internal logic Mm-hmm. Which is which is what which is what we get with Vampire Diaries, and and you see a teensy bit of that um, in some of the character dynamics, but not too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I quite like the uh, I quite I think the actress that's playing Jane is a uh, is is quite attractive. Yeah, she's she's lovely, and um, um, and all you you know, and it it wouldn't shock me if if Jane is actually um, Jane is actually the uh, the genetically the the link that she ends up having a kid with H.G. Wells mm. and that that's where some of this came from only she has the kid in the past or something 
Yeah, but if you remember in the uh, in the original Time After Time, at the end of the movie, um, his his girlfriend in that one's called Amy. He took her back to uh, Victorian England with him. Oh, that's right. You know? Yes. Yeah. So we don't yeah, know. That... We don't know whether he destroyed the time machine or not. And it's also been hinted in this very heavily that this has all happened before. Yes. You know, so uh, could it have all happened before with Amy and 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 that's and and they're somehow trying to link this in with the with the original movie somehow. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think they'll be that clever, to be honest. But. No, no. I think, um, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to tell. And it's it's frustrating because I really doubt they're going to get a second season. I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, because this is a, a, a layered enough narrative that they're going to need multiple seasons to unspool this. But at the rate they're going ratings-wise, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. So I, I don't I don't know how invested to get into this narrative that requires a certain amount of investment. Mm. All I know is that up to now I've been I've enjoyed what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to follow it through for the simple fact that the only thing I'm watching right now it seems to be watching and reviewing quite a lot of is DC shows mm. and and stuff like that. And uh, there's not very much science fiction on other than that. And, and maybe Supernatural, which uh, I'd kind of gotten bored of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, like it's yeah. been going for so long now. Um, so I, I, I'm just coming at it from that standpoint. It's something else that I'm enjoying that I can review. And um, as you as you know, I'm actually doing I'm actually doing two things with time after time, week in week out. I'm recapping it for Monsters and Critics, and I'm reviewing it for Sci-Fi Pulse. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I've read your Monsters and Critics recaps, so they're quite good. Yeah, it's it's quite hard to encapsulate everything that happens in you know in you know after one viewing, and that is after one viewing. I've only watched the show once to actually recap all that. Mm, so that's that's basically yeah. that that basically gives you uh, gives you an idea of my mad memory skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've 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 quite enjoyed it. Um, I. I I like I quite enjoy the uh, Vanessa Anders character, you know. Yes, yes, yes. And that that three year old little girl was adorable. Oh, she was precious. By the way, um, just just one of those six degrees of separation things. Um, Jennifer Farron, who plays Brooke, played the wife, uh, played the Cape's wife on the Cape. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought I'd bring that up because I hadn't had a chance to. That proves that she has a lot more range than they allowed her on the Cape. Mm. Yeah, I thought, I, you know, I thought the uh, the scene between her and Stevenson in the, in the, this last episode was absolutely brilliant. It was sort of like... Oh, no, it was wonderful. It was like they were doing a little dance with each other. It was sort of like there was actually yeah. a rhythm to the... Uh, to, 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 the, to the acting, which is something you don't really see often anymore. No, no, you've got to be a good actor to pull that kind of stuff off, and they're they're both really good actors. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I've actually commented about that in my review, which is going to go live tomorrow. So that you know, the, the rhythm of that scene. It was it was, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be interesting seeing if you know what happens when they track him to a 1938 Paris in next week's app. 19, 19, actually, it's like 19, 19 or something like that. Yeah, it's even earlier. But, yeah. yeah. No, it's actually, it's actually 1938, Ooh. Paris. Um, okay. Oh, that's, not the, that's not the date I remember, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're thinking of the uh, of the actual uh, the, the actual date, um, but I, I think it was 1938, Paris. I'm pretty damn sure of that. 
Um, and, but I'm not sure if it was the 30th of March 1938, if it was that specific or not. No, it was. Uh, so. I think it was April, but I'm not sure. I wasn't paying that close attention. But a new a new year was 1938 because I actually deliberately bookmarked that in my in my mind before actually writing the review. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of one of those uh, you know little memory tricks. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I thought I thought initially it was going to be 1933 Paris because of the uh, poster of the Invisible Man that was seen yeah. in the um, in the overall trailer for the uh, for the thing. But you know, apparently not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. I think that might be what you was thinking of. Yeah, that might be it. But uh, yeah, no, that's gonna that's gonna be fun. The thing that's the thing that's bothering me a little bit is I wish they would do a little more time travel. Um, I, I wish it, not so much of it was present day, but that's just me. Well, that's I'm, that's basically just I'm, them saving money, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'm I'm more used to the timeless approach where if they're gonna spend money and do this, let's just do a time travel show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mind you, Timeless isn't coming back either. So. Oh God, that's really you know if 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 me one of these shows comes back, it pretty much says that there's very little hope for a time travel show. Yeah. On American yeah. TV. On American TV. So it basically, means we've only got Doctor Who. Doctor Who and Legends for as long as they can maintain that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Legends. Yeah, but I'm sort of like I'm, I'm kind of discounting Legends because it's a DC It's true. Show. It, Legends is its own thing. Yeah. And so. it's going it's going to carry on running for as long as the CW can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um. You said you wanted to discuss one of the DC shows. So. Yeah, I um, wanted to discuss my theory for Savitar since everybody else had to go on uh, uh, DC Action Hour and I didn't have a chance to get into the chat room. Okay, for that. well, can we just quickly song out pump DC Action Hour before we before we go into sure, this? Sure. Sure. Um. Basically, I was on DC Action Hour. Which is uh, on YouTube. It's uh, it's on the Super Geeks Up channel, and uh, you know we had a we we had a really interesting guest on the show, uh, but we also had uh, a lot of fun playing a few games and and recapping the uh, the various DC shows um, on 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 the thing. And uh, from what Jeff tells me, is they're planning to try and bring some more guests on the show. So. You know, if oh, you want, cool. if you want to check that out, you can you can find it. Uh, it airs every Sunday night at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and um, I think he usually streams it live to the website at Super Geeks Up. So you know, yeah. if you guys want to check that out, go go for it. Um, but yeah, now now on to Savitar because we had a, a good old ding dong on the show last night about Savitar, and we had all sorts of theories. Um, you know the negative Barry Allen, yes. um, the uh, HR theory, which I, I I sort of came up with, and you know, and and the and the Speed Force messing with Barry Allen. Yeah, I while well, your HR theory held water as far as it went, um, I'm with Jeff in that they're never going to go for it simply because at the at the PR level they would lose credibility. They can't go to that well twice. Yeah, that, that's all. That's I. I kind of said that in in when I was when I was talking about my HR. Yeah, theory. I know. I know. One of you did. Yeah, you you and Jeff kind of chimed in with that. But yeah, the the issue is that uh, at at the narrative level, any of these characters could be justified. Um, but my theory is Eddie. Um, to the extent that. We don't actually know what happened to him after he became part of the singularity. We saw the singularity sucking his body in. And of course, he was still he was still miffed with Barry over Iris. He was still miffed with Barry over Iris, and we don't know what 
what the effects of being the nexus of a singularity actually are, coupled with Flashpoint, coupled with reverse Flashpoint, um, coupled with a, a lot of this stuff. And, and coupled the with the that, fact yeah. that we've not seen Eddie Fawn since the tail end of season one until that, this last episode. That's who... And, and the fact that the fact that they could bring Rick Costnet back for into the Speed Force means that he is available, and they could have. And because Savitar is a primarily CGI character, they could have very easily had uh, Rick Costnet film the unmasking scenes and the requisite exposition dump uh, in and around the same time that he filmed uh, into the Speed Force without disrupting his schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what and kind that, of what kind of goes against that is uh, the producers said uh, a while back that they didn't know who Savitar was, that they were kind of making up on the fly. But they had that recent article where they said they knew what it was, and they and they and they've um, and they've been planning this for a while. Mm-hmm. So they so they've either they either they're talking out of both sides of the mouse. They could be talking out of both sides of the mouse because God knows the Arrow writers were talking out of both sides of the mouse with the uh, flash forward mystery grave. Yeah, well, the, you know the, the flash forward in Arrow Arrow has just been terrible this year. It was awful. Hardly yeah. any of it's been relevant to the plot whatsoever. Um, yeah. Whereas the uh, whereas at least last season's flash forwards and the and, and the ones in the prior seasons are actually relevant to what was going on in the present. Um, here's here's my here's my problem. Um, with Arrow, apart from the fact that I'm just not the audience for the street level stuff, um, and this is and this and I didn't realize about I didn't realize that this was an issue until they brought Supergirl in. But with Supergirl, you have a whole bunch of characters in Universe 38, Earth 38, who whose worlds are literally gone, who are the last of their species or next to the last of their species, who um, are escaping, you know, world altering blight. And compared to and compared to those characters, the characters on Earth One are frankly they, they frankly have first world problems. Mm. And and they have I mean you, you look at Oliver and it's like suck it up. You got you got trapped on a really awful island. You were tortured. Yes, I get P, I get it. PTSD is bad, but Jesus Christ, you got a whole universe of people over on the Supergirl end who, who really just are not having a good time. Yeah, who are homeless, all. who basically don't have planets left to go back they to. Have, they don't have planets left. Or in the case of Martian Manhunter, they technically have a planet left, but he can't go there because he's the last of their kind and they would just summarily execute him. I mean, that, that's something they need to do more with on Supergirl. Yes. Um, you know, in, instead of, you know, the, uh, the lesbian storyline with... Uh, with Angit, with Angit, 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 and, and, and the detective. Um, yeah. Not that, not that it's actually bothering me. Um, no. But it's just sort of like... Um, it's soapy. It's, it's soapy in CW. It's like, it's, it, basically they're proving that, that sexual orientation aside, the CW relationship plots are basically all CW relationship plots. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm, I'm running out of steam. I mean, take, for example, Monel and, and Kara, right? They've got they've got this Romeo and Juliet plotline coming up to justify the musical, yeah. and she's gonna and she's going to get mad at him for keeping that secret from him that he is the prince of the Daxamites. And I'm like, sweetie, that that conversation shouldn't even be the conversation. That's because the fact that he lied about being the prince of the Daxamites is not the issue. The issue is he allowed her to think that he was the last of his kind. Mm-hmm. He you know because the planet's gone, yeah, but he didn't mention the fact that the species was not, and this this is a this is a girl who's with the exception of her cousin her species is basically gone because they haven't introduced Candor yet 
Yeah. And 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 plus he allowed he allowed John Jones to think he was the last of his kind by omission, and that and that poor guy really is the last of his subspecies. <laughs> so if, so if, so if nothing else, Monel needs to apologize to John Jones as much as Gara. Mm. And they're never going to address that. They're going to just go, oh, relationship drama, relationship drama, relationship drama, and, and forget all about the just the deeper existential problems. Because because putting because putting whatever they're feeling emotionally aside, even if everything was copacetic between them, what is she supposed to do? Become the princess of Daxum, you know, and 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 give up being Supergirl because he's the prince of Daxum. And, and, and just accept the fact that his in-laws are going to think she's trash and be, and that they're going to be angry that she survived and that they wouldn't mind if she, if, they, if the Kryptonians were completely gone, you know, and, and because of, because of the Romeo and Juliet internal logic of the, uh, of, of the musical, they're going to go love conquers all and she'll forgive them because, you know, those, those completely ignore the deeper issues, the issues that would logically actually keep them apart and should keep them apart. Mm-hmm. Because Monel did not think it through. He didn't realize that she is, as I said, existentially coming at this from a different place than he is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, it, and it's just really short-sighted and simplistic and really pisses me off. Yeah, do you know what really pissed me off the other week, though, on Supergirl? And, and, and uh, I really tore into it in, in my review of it as well. It's the episode where they where they find Jeremiah. Oh God! They they didn't notice his bionic arm. Like what the actual? No, they, 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 no, they they did notice his bionic arm. You know, they they they, they basically he, he passed it off as saying it was punishment for for such yeah. and such. And that wasn't my problem. My problem yeah. was um, Monel out of the lot of them was the only one that was suspicious about how easy it was for them to get Jeremiah back. Yes. You know, and Jeremiah was easing his way back into the favor of the family. Alex was too accepting of it, and uh, so, so was Kyra, for that matter. And the one person that should have been suspicious, John Jones, yeah. wasn't. It was, no. like, you know, it was almost like they gave uh, John Jones's default role to Monel yes. in order to create some tension between Monel and, and Kyra. And yeah. it just didn't make sense at all. It was just sort of like stupid. It was just fucking dumb. It's it's the internal logic thing. They're shoving Monel down our throats. They're trying to make us care about him when logically, as I said, you know, as I've outlined in my whole thing, there are reasons why even if she forgave him for the lies, there are reasons why this couple would still not be a couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second and, the second part of the episode where where where, where the um, where, where it's all like all resolves was actually better than the first. Yes. But, you know, yes. But the first part of the episode was just terrible. It's just so it was like, awful. Really, was really, awful. really bad. Um. And, you know, sort of like, um, it was interesting, you know, doing the DC show last night, uh, when, when we we're talking about Supergirl. I, I gave Soup, you know, I, I gave, um, Arrow a relatively high mark. It was, um, it was one of their better episodes this season. It was. In comparison to what I've done on other weeks of the, on, on Arrow. Um, yeah. And Jeff gave, uh, Legends a relatively high mark, you know, but he didn't like the day old thing. That said, the Legends episode this week and, and the one last week, in terms of the time travel and yeah. such, it made sense. It wasn't no. it wasn't overly timey wimey, sort of like Doctor Who. No, and thing. I and I absolutely loved Com- Com- Commander Steele's plan to to hide his shard on the moon. That was so mm-hmm. cool. That, that was honestly very very cool. Yeah, it was genius. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of like hiding mm-hmm. in the in in the uh, in the staff of the flag that's, yeah. that's on the moon. I thought that was really really. Uh, 
I mean, talk about hiding something in plain sight. Yeah, I was worried. I was bothered by the fact that so many of the JSA are being uh, killed or left for dead. But then I then I read the canon storylines for the JSA, and, and a good many of them actually do die in the canon narrative. Oh, so I so yeah, so they they are acknowledging that in a roundabout way for this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, um, and and Legends this season has been much much stronger. Although I have missed Rip, I'm glad he's back. Yeah, I I missed Rip as well. But now that he's back, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see how the dynamic changes again. Because at the moment, you know, sort of like uh, Sarah, Sarah Nance is uh, is in charge, and all of a sudden she's a mad scientist as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they change. You know, they change the internal logic of her character to, you know, suit her taking over the ship, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, when it's really, true. she's just a warrior. You know, she's. Yeah. And you know, and that that's something that kind of infuriates me as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, these very uh, sudden changes to the characters. I'll tell you, but uh, the one thing I want from Legends and uh, to a lesser extent from Flash is more of Clarissa Stein. Because they're almost treating Clarissa Stein, Clarissa Stein, his wife, as a potted plant. And considering that they now have this daughter, you know, you would think you would want to hear from her and hear what she has to say. And I would, I would love a, a crossover storyline that involved all the women of, of the DCU that were all, where the guys for some plot reason can't easily participate. And so Clarissa Stein and Lily Stein and Caitlin and uh, Lila Diggle and um, as many of the canaries as they want, uh, and a whole bunch, and all of the other women just get together, and they're the ones who've got to sort it out. And in the process, we actually meet Clarissa Stein and and give, um, you know, and and give the actress, you know, something to actually do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that that'd be uh, that that'd be quite interesting to see happen. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm lo- I'm loving Mitt Rory in Legends. He's my favorite yeah. character out of a lot of them. He's he's the justification for four legends in terms of actual character growth, because in season one, my first thought was what are they going to do with heat wave? Yeah. Especially um, when they got rid of captain cold. Yeah. And, and to, to have him be Kronos like that was absolute genius. I mean that, that the Kronos reveal justified season one to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really loved that. And they've done so much work with, with Mick. It's not even funny. I just love the opening salvo of it. Yes, you know, on, on, oh, that was beautiful. Episode, you know? <laughs> we destroyed the time pigs. Yeah, <laughs> and then he just goes on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it's almost um, you know, in last season we had a uh, we we had the, the we interviewed the uh, young young lad that that played the younger Mick Rory. Yes. And, you know, <clears throat> granted, he didn't have much to do, but it'd be fun to go back. And, and see him again at some point in the future. Yes, to, yeah. You know, to, to, so, you know, to see see how 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 he's progressing. Um, has he gone a completely different way to Mitt Rory? The, the other the other thing I want to see is given that the time the, given that the time masters are effectively gone, what is happening with those orphans that 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 that, that the surrogate mother character is played by Celia Amory has mm. been taking care of. Yep, yeah. Because they're, they're they're kind of a loose thread. I mean, does does Rip go back and leave the ship and go back and help her raise them and find different functions for them? Or does something else happen with them? 
Mm. So yeah, you know, may, maybe they uh, may, maybe they form a new wave of time masters. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you know, you, you don't don't really know, um, but it's it's been it's been a fun show to watch this season. And, um, yeah, it's it's actually right now it's my favorite of the DC shows. Um, you know, all due respect to Jeff, I, I get that not it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I am absolutely loving it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all like uh, they're teasing me about Dale. <laughs> Oh. I, I shouldn't. Oh. I shouldn't have been able to sing that so well. well that's all. Oh, I can say. No, I um. Victor Garber is a god. The man is absolutely a god. I I, I felt really sorry for him having to do that. That, that that kind of took me out of the episode a little bit. I think it. I think. I think it was meant to. I think that was kind of the point. Mm. Um. But yeah, it was. It was very effective. And I gotta say. Whatever you think of Kara and Monel, um, the musical episode is going to be worth it just for seeing John Barrowman, and Jesse L. Martin and and Victor Garber playing mob bosses singing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that that'll be fun. Um, I mean that's that that's tonight's episode, right? The the start of it is tonight. They 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 have the fallout with Monel where she goes, "Oh my God, you lied to me." We meet Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo as his parents. And by the way, I kind of figured out he was the Prince of Daxam the minute they mentioned that there was a Prince of Daxam. So it was like the, the worst kept <laughs> narrative secret ever. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but me, but having Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo on is going to make that worthwhile. And then they have the the kickoff of the musical episode on tonight's Supergirl, and then the musical proper is going to be tomorrow night's Flash. Mm-hmm. So cool. And then it will carry on over and over into Arrow. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Although I wish it would, because Arrow, like I said, the problem I have with Arrow is Arrow is just too damn. It's 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 the the man pain has become self indulgent. Yeah, it's, it's a, but you know it, it is it is in uh, it is in line with the comics. It's it, true. So you know it, it is what it is at the end of the day. Omni yeah. is always going to be riddled with guilt over over various things that he's had to do uh, on on his journey to become the Arrow. So yeah, but it's like it's like he, he doesn't learn anything. They they reset him every year so it's like they just find different ways to recycle the same man paint mm. do you know what i'd love to see an arrow it probably never happened because it's so bloody rounded in 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 the um in the street level but um they they did an excellent run of comics back in the um 70s of um of of green arrow where uh-huh. he teams up with with green lantern and they yes. they do they kind of journey across America, uh, getting involved with various sort of like scenarios where they're where where they're sort of like helping clean up the clean up the streets. So it's it's urban, but it's sort of like with that added influence of the uh, of Green Arrow, uh, um, of Green Lantern. Green and, Lantern, yeah. Um, and, since we're not getting get, since we're not getting Green Lantern anytime soon. But it was also um, interesting because the 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 political differences. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, yeah. In in the comics. Um, and it's also this is also kind of relevant in the uh, in the TV show as well, given given some of the policies that 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 Mayor Queen has been espousing. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But in the comics, uh, Oliver Queen is very very much um, a Democrat, uh, uh, and, whereas, and and Hal is more conservative. Yeah, yeah. Hal's more 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 of a more of a Republican uh-huh. sort of thing, and 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 that 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 dichotomy between the between the two factions, the two different sides, left and right, in 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 the comic book, you know, that, that played throughout. Uh-huh. Like, now know, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. 
So I, I just, I, I just wish to do that. I wish to sort of like find someone to play the Green Lantern and and, and just do it because that mm. would be an epic season. It know? would be an epic season. It would probably be the best season they've done. You know, they they could take, they could, you know, and they wouldn't need Felicity for it. No. They 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 could take Diggle along for the ride. Um, Less. Yeah, they could do that. And uh, and maybe uh, maybe even sort of like uh, some of the other characters, but. It, it'd just be a brilliant season and also you know you had the little blue aliens you know the uh who who who, who um uh, the guardians who, yeah. yeah the guardians who 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 green lantern works for one of them sort of like kind of tags along and comes in and out of the story as well oh uh, cool but, yeah know, i like them it was it was it was, it was a fantastic uh comic and i i just wish i'd not 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 um so sort of like uh, giving it away so easily, I'm, I'm gonna have to repurchase it at some point. Mm. But you know, they they need to do that on on Arrow. Yeah. Sorry, they've yeah. got to do it because there, there was no Hal Jordan going out into space. It was all set on Earth. Yeah. You know. So all they need all they need to do is CGI Hal, CGI CGI the little worm, uh, Guardian guy, and then and then they just can can go forward. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to have Hal using the ring that much either. No. You know? Just enough to like remind people that the ring is there. Yeah. And then and then otherwise, you know, you're fine. And how Jordan can fly, so you know, you know, if they can afford to make Supergirl, they can afford to have how Jordan pop up in, yeah. in, in a yeah. season of Arrow. I mean, come on, let's do it. Let's, let's be sensible. Let's give 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 the fans what they want. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I I do I do know that a whole lot of the DC fans will probably want to see that. Yes. You know, because because of that comic, and he's sort of like, uh, and I don't think if the creators of Arrow don't do it, the the damn foolish for for skipping out on an um, on an opportunity to do something really really cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Anything else we we, we can talk about? Is there anything else you wanna touch on? No, I I don't think we'll have anything new until all of next week's shows have played out again. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, well, um, that about wraps things up for this week. Um, you know, I'd like to thank the, uh, the, the, the women from Yodo for the interview in year on. Um, and you can, you can find Yodo or You Only Die Once, um, on YouTube. There's, there's a, there's actually a, a film and, uh, their series is going to be premiering sometime later in the spring. Um, and I'd also like to thank Raisa for, for spending time uh, to, to do this, to do the uh, TV segment with me. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. It's been fun. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, so we'll see you soon.